service. Hey guys, excited to be in your feeds today talking about Thelma Todd, but just a quick heads up that over in the Disgraceland feed, we've got a brand new episode on Michael Hutchins of NXS, as well as a rewind episode from our archive on Jennifer Hudson, both available right now. All right, let's talk some classic Hollywood. Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. And just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show. A voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the back lot breakdown of sorts. On this bonus episode, we are talking about Thelma Todd, Shetland, plus my recommendations and your movie-focused voicemails, texts, DMs, and more. Badlands listeners, let's get into it. Greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the rap party. Let's dive right into Thelma Todd. Who exactly is Thelma Todd, you're asking? Well, she was one of the great comedians of the 1920s and 30s, working alongside some other names you might recognize, like Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers and Buster Keaton. I know we're going way back in the Wayback Machine. Uh, they called Thelma Todd the ice cream blonde on account of her pale complexion and her blonde scoop curls, which were all the rage back in the day. Uh, but the thing about Thelma Todd that we liked when we started researching her is that she took no shit, none, none from anybody. She had stalkers, extortionists, didn't take shit from anyone. Back then, it was a crazy time. Hollywood papers would regularly publish the addresses of actors and actresses. It's just fucking wild. So my point is, like, there, it was easy to catch shit, and she took none of it. Uh, in fact, she confronted one particular shakedown artist on a street corner. She had a gun hidden in her purse that she used to fend off this, this shakedown artist, Thelma Todd. She didn't take shit from the mob. She was hell-bent on installing a clandestine gambling den in the back room of a cafe that she owned with her lover. Pretty badass woman, if you ask me. And it was during this impasse with the LA organized crime that Thelma Todd's body was found. So here comes the true crime of it all. Uh, her body was found behind the wheel of her 1934 Lincoln convertible parked inside of her garage. She was dead at the age of 29. They said it was carbon monoxide poisoning, but given everything that was going on with Thelma Todd at the time in the mafia, not excuse me, not the mafia, the mob, it didn't take long for a lot of conjecture to take hold. So what happened? Was it an accident? Did Thelma Todd take her own life? Was she murdered, as people were suggesting? And you're just going to have to check out our brand new episode on Thelma Todd to find out. And trust me, even if you don't know who Thelma Todd is or you're not into comedies from the early 20th century, you're going to want to hear this story. It is wild. 617-906-6638. Call me. Send me a text. Let me know what you thought of this episode. I want to hear it. Let's, uh, let's get into some... Don't typically do emails here in the rap party, but uh, I want to get into one right here. 
All right, this one here is from Pete. Says, uh, "Good day there, Jake. Pete from Melbourne, Australia. Here, best movie of all time. I guess we were talking best movies of all times a little while ago, which is fitting because I did watch Godfather again last night for like the forty thousandth time. But uh, Pete here says best movie of all time, Gladiator by Ridley Scott would have to be up there. My late brother-in-law was in it. Says uh, Pete here. I played a couple of gladiators and Roman soldiers. Also was the body double for Oliver Reed's last scene. So I." maybe a bit biased. Find it hard to watch now as it makes me too sad. Love your work. Regards from Oz. That's from Pete in Australia. Thanks, Pete. Uh, it's pretty cool that your brother-in-law was in Gladiator. What an incredible movie to be in. All right, this one comes from Pat Newell. Hi, Jake. It's Pat from Albuquerque. I'm a listener of Disgraceland from the beginning and picked up listening to Badlands last year. Love both of them and all the 27 Club iterations. Your email prefix references Disgraceland, but I hope this address also services your other podcast. Your recent Joan Crawford story of Badlands was excellent, and you dedicated a lot of time to the Kennedy assassination going outside the actual story. What is your position on the assassination? Do you subscribe to any of the theories and circumstantial evidence. Would love to hear your thoughts. Well, Pat, how much time do you got? <laughs> That's a big question for a short little bonus episode that we're doing here. Pat, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram at DisgracelandPod, but we just passed the uh, 60th anniversary last week of the JFK assassination. And um, I went a little deep on a ancillary kind of side story connected to the greater assassination story. And that is the fact that there's a certain president, there were a lot of presidents in town that day. Well, only one of them was shot in Dallas, but Lyndon Baines Johnson was also in Texas, understandably. It was his home state. He was there with JFK, as was future President George H.W. Bush, as was future President Richard Nixon. You can look up the George H.W. Bush connection to the assassination, and you can draw your own conclusions. I frankly, we just don't have enough time to get into it here. But I'm down to talk about it elsewhere. 617-906-6638. Call me. Let me know what you think, what your thoughts are. Do you think it was a single bullet theory? Do you think it was a lone gunman? I certainly don't. I was going to talk about this later in the recommendations part, but my wife, you guys who have been listening to me for a while know this, that we love thrillers. We love 90s movies. 90s thrillers for me and my wife, that's the sweet spot. That's that's what we want to watch. That's like the top of the list uh, every time we want to sit down to find a movie that we have not seen. And we've exhausted all of the great ones, all of them, all the thrillers from the 90s, okay? You name it, we've watched it. The Firm, In the Line of Fire, The Fugitive. I could go on. There's so many. There's so many great ones. She tells me after I do this Instagram story the other day, my wife, who I know very well and love, <laughs> tells me that she's never seen JFK. She's never seen JFK. She's a 90s thriller nut. And that's like the 90s thriller. It's such a huge, obvious 90s thriller the movie JFK by Oliver Stone that I've never even brought up watching it to my wife because I for sure thought she'd seen it a thousand times like I have. So we watched it. We watched uh, watched it. I think it was Thanksgiving night after all the all the dust settled. And uh, of course, it still holds up. That movie took a lot of shit when it came out. I went back and I was reading the reviews and oh my goodness, they're savage. Yet it did nab, I believe, 
two Oscar nominations. I'm not sure if it won any, but Kevin Costner's incredible. The actors in the movie, okay? Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon, John Candy. Like I mentioned, Kevin Costner. I could go on and on. Tommy Lee Jones, Kevin Bacon. There are so many greats in that film. They weren't signing up to be in some half-assed conspiracy theorist movie. They knew that Oliver Stone was onto something. They knew that Jim Garrison's book was onto something. Now, we kind of take it for granted. Granted, Pat, to answer your question, that there was a conspiracy. However, back in the 90s, it wasn't that universally understood. It wasn't like you just went out into the world thinking that it was okay to assume that John F. Kennedy was killed by our own government in collusion with the mafia. But to answer your question, that is what I believe happened. And there is more than circumstantial evidence out there that points to that fact. It is a one of the best wormholes in the history of wormholes. Honestly, we could do a whole hour on this. And uh, I love talking about it, as you can see. 617-906-6638 in honor of Thelma Todd in old school Hollywood. And of course, Joan Crawford. Let's hear your JFK conspiracy theories. Who do you think killed him and why? Let me know. 617-906-6638 with your voicemails and your texts. I'm going to take a break. Come back on the other side. We'll do some of your voicemails and texts then. All right, we are back. Let's get into some voicemails and texts from you guys. 617-906-6638. You can leave a message with me on just about anything. Tony here from the 253 checking in on Phil Hartman. Jake, hey, it's Tony from the 253. I know it's been a while since we've talked, but um, I just got done listening to the Phil Hartman episode. I was in fifth grade when that happened. I I remember like it was yesterday. It was a very almost spooky-like, you know, to think about that and hear the episode. I thought you did a great job on it. So, you know, round of applause for that. Tony, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Good hearing from you. It's been a minute. Happy you're stoked on the Phil Hartman episode. Um, sorry to bring up some spooky memories, but such is the line of work that we are in here at Disgraceland. Excuse me, Badlands. I guess both, right? Disgraceland and Badlands. They're both dark stories about icons. That's essentially what we do. Tony, appreciate you. Keep calling in. Keep listening, man. All right, let's check out this voicemail from the 505. Hey, Jake. You're awesome. Niall and uh, 505 got one more story for you. A friend of mine, Brent, was working in Santa Fe, New Mexico at a place called uh, Galisteo News, little newsstand, coffee house. This, uh, he thought homeless guy walks in and um, asks for a couple of packs of American spirit cigarettes. And my friend Brent is like, Looking at him thinking, well, this guy doesn't have much money. He's like, yeah, you know, we've got cigarettes, but if you walk a couple of blocks down to the offsets, they're a lot cheaper down there. But the guy's like, that, that's okay. And he buys like two packs of cigarettes and he walks out. And as he's walking out, Brent's working with this girl behind the counter and the girl comes over and says, Brent, you realize that, that was River Phoenix. <laughs> When I heard your episode, I was like, I don't know if he was working on a roll or it was actually very 
shortly before he passed away. And uh, I don't know if he was working on a roll or just in really bad shape, but it's not looking good in the moment. All right, man. Great. <laughs> that is a, uh, that's an incredible story. I appreciate that. I like these stories, these sort of candid moments that, uh, you know, these anecdotes you guys have and your friends have with some of the folks we've covered really adds dimension to the subjects here in Badlands and Disgrace Sands. So 617-906-6638, get in touch with your anecdotal Badlands subject stories here. Appreciate that one on River Phoenix. All right, let's check out this voicemail from the 520 Trucker Joey calling in from the road. Hey, Jake, Trucker Joey from the 520. I was just listening to the latest episode, and the five favorite, most best <laughs> actors or actresses, comedians from Saturday Night Live. Dude, you can't cherry pick that shit. I mean, you've got the 70s, the whole cast, you know, Belushi, Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray. Then you go to the next cycle. Uh, Gilda Radner, also, all of them. All right, Joey, sounds like you're in on the 70s SNL. Cut you off there because it's an endless saga of great talent that just continues and continues and continues through the history of Saturday Night Live. But if you got to pick one, if that's the game we're playing, Joey, you got to pick one. You got to stick to it. You got to pick one. I feel like you're a Belushi guy. I feel like if I'm picking one, this is. Uh, this is controversial. No, it's not. I was going to say Bill Hader, and that would be controversial because I think there was a moment in time when Bill Hader was really cooking on SNL where he was the funniest person on the planet. Um, but if you got to pick one, to me, it's a little a little outside my, my generation. You know, most people love the SNL characters from when they were in high school, when they were in college. But I think if I got to pick one, I'm picking Will Ferrell. That's it. I said it. I think no one has made me laugh harder on SNL than Will Ferrell. All due respect to Phil Hartman, who I love, clearly. Okay, let's do some texts. All right, from the 916, Tony writing in, sending in a screenshot of her Spotify rap top podcast, number one, Disgraceland. Badlands, though, in the two spot. Appreciate that, Tony. You are the absolute bestest. 520 writing in here. Was asking how... Uh, how he heard of Badlands and Disgraceland, 520 writes in, just followed you, heard you on Movie Crush. I follow Chuck wherever he goes. Uh, Movie Crush, great podcast with my man Chuck Bryant from the Stuff You Should Know podcast. One of the OGs, one of the greats. Very excited to hear that he's spoken about Badlands and Disgraceland on his pod, Movie Crush, which is also a great podcast. All right, what else we got here? Let's check in. This one from the 781 says, apparently the wife hates you too. I just saw the, uh, the first sentence there in the preview of the message. <laughs> That's more disgrace than the Badlands, but I wanted to read it here. 860 sending in a great text picture of her dog. This badass dog shall go by the alias of Hero. He came to me when a client had to find him a new home because he saved her life by defending her and her baby from her piece of shit husband who was drunk and looking to beat up someone. Damn. Look at those jaws. It's a great looking pit bull. Hero the pit bull. Love it. All right. Dog picks. Always welcome. 617-906-6638. 
One last one here from the 330. In my opinion, we haven't seen the best of Kate McKinnon yet. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Yeah, Kate McKinnon, fantastic. Kristen Wiig as well. Also, I feel like she doesn't get the love she deserves as being one of the all-time great SNL characters. Uh, she's incredible. Players, I should say. All right, 617-906-6638. We're talking about so much kind of all over the place, but I want to talk now about the music connection to this week's episode. Like a lot of entertainers for the first half of the 20th century, Thelma Todd didn't just act. She also aspired to sing professionally, even if ultimately nothing came of it. In 1929, though, she made some recordings at the Hal Roach Studio in Culver City, California. I wonder if that's still there. If anyone knows the history of the Hal Roach Studio in Culver City, let me know. I love that stuff. Studio logs, however, that have survived show that Thelma cut songs titled Let Me Call You Sweetheart. If I had you and honey Thelma had a contract with Hal Roach Studios to appear in their movies but also an additional contract with the studio to make records for the Victor Records label you know the one with the iconic logo of the dog listening to the Victrola but the recordings were never released and I'm not even sure if the masters exist anymore they might be lost to time like a handful of the short films that Thelma made in the 1920s speaking of which Thelma Todd's movies if you're interested here's just a selection she appeared in more than a hundred films the studios worked their players hard back in the day. A hundred films between 1926 and 1935, and most of them, of course, pre-code. 1931, the original, the original Maltese Falcon. Uh, 1931, Monkey Business, that's with the Marx Brothers. Then she shows up with Buster Keaton in 1932 in a film called Speak Easily. Goes back with the Marx Brothers for Horse Feathers. Then Fra Diavolo with Laurel and Hardy. Sitting Pretty with Ginger Rogers. Counselor at Law in 1933 with John Barrymore. Drew Barrymore's grandfather, I believe. 1934, Palooka with Jimmy Durante. 1934, Bottoms Up with Spencer Tracy. All right, we're getting a little more modern here. 35, Two for Tonight with Bing Crosby. 36, The Bohemian Girl with Laurel and Hardy. Now, I know this question is not going to be for all of you. It's for a very select few of you okay but you have to recommend one movie by either the marx brothers laurel and hardy or buster keaton to me one movie for me to watch which would it be let me know 617-906-6638 all right at disgraceland pod on the socials facebook twitter x excuse me and instagram i'm gonna be right back with some recommendations This is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies and the television content, the recommendations part, the part where we discuss the movies and television we're recommending. This is the recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party bonus episode. Listen, I've talked about uh, Last Waltz, talked about JFK already. One thing I've been fascinated with, this goes back a couple weeks now. I don't know what got me onto this, but I have this newfound interest in straight up whodunits just mysteries and there's all different kinds uh different movies different murder mystery movies with different tones um that i've watched over the years that i've had a passing interest in it's developed into a fascination and it goes beyond just film as well it's also books i ordered some modern mystery novelists books i'm not going to mention who they are because i didn't like them so if you have any recommendations, by all means, 617-906-6638 with mystery novels, particularly modern ones, I'd love to hear it. But on the film side and television side, 
I found that, uh, you know, I've watched the Knives Out stuff and I like that. I don't love it. I like it. It's entertaining. It's interesting. It'll get me through a Saturday night and a big bowl of popcorn. But what I really love are these BBC produced <laughs> uh, murder mysteries. And I don't know what it is about them that I find so fascinating. Maybe it's because they're all produced in small batches, two, three episodes. They tend to be about an hour long each. And you're getting to the whodunit quicker than if you were just in like a 10-episode American series. And there's one in particular that I've been watching that I've been love, love, loving. And if you guys are into this sort of thing, this is not going to be news to you. But if you're not into this sort of thing, I highly recommend you check out the BBC mystery series called Shetland. It's uh, about 10 years old. I think it came out 2012-ish around then, maybe a little older than 10 years. And uh, I, I can't think of the actor's name who stars in it. Forgive me. He looks a lot like Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, like he could be his little brother, and he's fantastic. This series takes place on a small island off the coast of Scotland. I've learned over this uh, recent developing fascination that I have with uh, murder mysteries that there are essentially three, three or four different milieus, if I'm using that word correctly. It's a word I've read over and over, but I've never really said before, I don't think. Milieu sounds French. Also sounds really stupid coming out of my mouth, but there are three or four types of uh, murder mysteries. There's noir, okay? Uh, I also just watched Girl with a Dragon Tattoo for the first time, and I found it to be fucking incredible. Great, great great movie. So that's sort of in the modern noir space. Then there's the uh, the cozy type of murder mystery, and that's definitely what we're doing with Shetland. These BBC-produced ones definitely fall into the cozy milieu of murder mysteries. I have to stop saying that word. And then there is the comedic type, your Fletch, your Fletches of the world, Clue, with sort of the hapless Pink Panther bumbling kind of uh, moronic detective. So I guess I'm into the first two, the noir and uh, the the cozy type. The cozy type being the one that I'm into most right now. If you're into this BBC-produced mystery stuff, give me some recommendations. I've checked out a few other ones. I don't want to shit-talk things that I don't like, so I'm not going to mention them here. Some I like more than others. And, uh, you know, there's, there's all these actors that just that, are, that pop up. Like in Shetland, one of the actors in the second season is Brian Cox, who went on to be in Succession. This isn't too far before he was in Succession. He plays this incredible role. Uh, that's the guy who plays Logan Roy. So Shetland, check that out if you're into that. I mentioned that I watched Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I also watched David Fincher's newest movie, The Killer, on Netflix with Michael Fassbender. And this movie starts out and it completely has its talons in me. And I'm just like, I'm in for a ride. And I cannot wait to see where this takes me. And I really like the movie. I'm curious to know what you guys thought. I think I did myself a disservice by watching Girl with a Dragon Tattoo like a week before I watched The Killer because um, it's hard to compete with The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And I think I wanted that again from David Fincher's newest movie. And it's not that. It's not going to give you that. It's not trying to give you that, though. It's trying to give you something else. And what it does give you is pretty fucking great. It's sort of a study of a one singular character who's on this journey. And it's it's very cerebral. There's hardly any dialogue. A lot of action. 
and fucking great soundtrack. I don't want to spoil it. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. You've probably seen it on Instagram, but the soundtrack is worth it alone. So check out The Killer. That's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it already, check out Shetland and let me know 617-906-6638 murder mysteries, whodunits that you guys are into. All right. I want to know. I can feel myself. I got this like insatiable appetite for, for the murder mystery stuff at the moment. All right. I'm going to take a quick break back in a flash. Do the recap. All right, let's recap, shall we? Number one, The Obvious, our brand new episode on Thelma Todd is available in your feed right now, so go check that out. Number two, next week in Badlands, a new episode on the murder of Playboy Playmate turned Hollywood actress Dorothy Stratton. Number three, over in the Disgraceland feed, we just dropped a new episode on Michael Hutchins of In Excess, as well as a rewind episode from the archive on Jennifer Hudson. Number four, call me, 617-906-6638 to keep this Badlands movie conversation go, go, going. Number five, I got a split, I got another podcast to record and I have to return some videotapes. So right now, a second dose of bliss for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading the script from the Marx Brothers monkey business. Fade in. Transatlantic liner. Long shot. Angle shot. Looking up side of liner with funnels belching black smoke. Steam blast of ship's whistle. Then pan down to Captain's Bridge. Captain Corcoran. Head and shoulders visible above rail, is scanning the horizon. First officer, Mr. Gibson, joins Captain at rail, saluting. Captain, what is it? Gibson, Captain, I'm sorry to report. There are four stowaways in the forward hatch. Captain, stowaways? How do you know there are four of them? Gibson, they were singing Sweet Adeline. Captain, well, you get them out of there, you hear? Gibson, but we can't find them, sir. And they've been writing insulting notes, too. So I'm an old goat, am I? You listen then. Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.